Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. My passion has been design. When you take it that way, it makes a lot of sense that I'm obsessed with all the different things that I do in scrapbooking and in fabric and just getting your hands dirty. One of the things that I learned early as a designer, that execution was everything. And so if you can get into the details of all the things that you're executing as a designer, it's just, oh, it's so exciting. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 195. In this episode, I'm joined by Karina Gardner to explore life as a multi-passionate creative. As a veteran crafter, designer, and teacher, Karina brings her talent and enthusiasm to hobbyists and aspiring business owners. Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to share a participant's experience with the planning party. This comes from Melissa B. Before I started attending the Simple Scrapper planning parties, I left most of my next year's planning until the very end of the year. I love the invitation to focus on planning in early November before the holiday craziness sets in. Planning projects and classes I want to do in advance also helps me create a better wish list to share with my family. In addition, I find that the questions and worksheets help me to set realistic, achievable goals for my memory keeping. Thanks, Melissa. The planning party will help you look at the year ahead with intention, so your scrapbooking feels fun and productive all the way from January through December. Registration is open for the 2023 planning party, and I hope to see you there when we begin on November 13th. Visit simplescrapper.com slash plan23 to sign up for free. And now, my conversation with Karina Gardner. Hey, Karina, welcome to Scrapbook Your Way. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I am really looking forward to getting to know you better and peeking behind the scenes of your creative life. Can you share more about yourself? Sure. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Karina Gardner. I live in Sandy, Utah, was Salt Lake, but during COVID, we moved to 20 minutes away to Sandy, Utah. I have three kids, two teenage daughters and a little boy and and my husband. And we've lived in Utah now for about 12 years. Before that, we were in Minnesota. That's where I did all my graduate work. So um, I went to the University of Minnesota for my master's and my PhD in design had every intention of being a professor, did tons and tons of research on short-term memory and logo design and lots of incredibly boring stuff that nobody wants to hear about. That sounds interesting to me. (laughs) 
with, with your science background, you probably would love my tea tests. Uh, we, we just, uh, I just thought I would be teaching design and it's been so fascinating my journey because I went from teaching at a university for five years, getting my PhD in design to then spending the last 14 years in my own design business. So owning a creative business, building up a very interesting uh, niche here in the craft industry. I've been both in scrapbooking and I have been in fabric. I continue to be in those things, lots of digital and online. And uh, a year and a half ago, we actually started a design program if I wasn't going to go back and teach at university, I decided, you know what, I'm going to teach here in oh, the yeah. crafting industry. Yeah, that's so exciting. It's so interesting that I think we both took these major pivots about the same time. Um, yeah, like 14 years ago, exactly, was when I took mine. <laughs> that's so crazy. Well, and I always thought I would be um, like a designer in the advertising world. My undergrad mm-hmm. degree is actually in marketing from BYU. And I just really thought I was going to be like, in New York City, building the advertising billboards, like doing all of this. You know what I mean? Because that's what I thought I was going to be doing and stepped out from my PhD. And right at that moment, I mean, 14 years makes sense to me that you're in the same place, made a transition into digital scrapbooking. So that was like the height of digital scrapbooking. And um, had a friend who said, hey, Karina, you have two young kids. My kids were like, you know, a few months old and a three-year-old at the time. And said, you know, Karina, you should look at this thing called digital scrapbooking. And I was like, okay, started my own website, started getting into it. Uh, my first real deal was with two peas in a bucket. Do you remember them? That was how I found digital was was freebies on two peas. Yeah. So that was my first like really big shop. Um, and within a few months of being in Two Bees in a Bucket, I got my first scrapbooking deal. So I designed for my mind's eye at that time. Mm-hmm. Six months later, I got a deal with Northcott designing fabric um, and was doing digital and contract work as a designer. Never thought, I, I always thought I was going to be just a, a professor, just a, yeah. I thought I was going to be a professor. <laughs> and here I was with what people today would die to have, you know, these contracts that were quite big. And just for the record, I am no longer with my mind's eye or with uh, Northcott. I'm with Riley Blake and I was with Cartabella, but now I really focus online with Silhouette and a few other shops as well. But that's, you know, over the course of 14 years, it's fascinating what companies you come into contact with and who you end up designing for. It's just, it's been a really just exciting and creative journey. I've been so, um, I don't know, impressed and over the years, like, cause if you think back to 14 years ago, digital designers maybe didn't get a lot of, uh, accolades. and yeah. yeah, you, I mean, you've always kind of, uh, spanned both worlds. It sounds like, but I think now you see these big brands turning to people who've been longtime digital designers to, they realize, oh, they have some skills and they already know what the scrapbooking market wants. So yeah. let's let's go to them. Well, you think it's a little bit like um, all these big box office movie stars who would only do movies now doing TV shows or, yeah. or doing like Netflix. And I think it's because I, I do think the, the markets have changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at one point, there were, you know, I wouldn't design for a certain number of entities. Now I design for 
everyone. Like I'll, I'm willing to take on any kind of shop, anyone who seems interesting to me, someone who like maybe has something that I think would be helpful in my design world. I'm willing to kind of do something with. And I think it's because the market has changed. And that is like we deal and we look at people and brands more than we look at, um, you know, like social casting systems, right? Like it, yes. it feels more merged. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think the, I'm just as likely to go to Target as well as to Etsy to buy a Christmas present. Like it's, you know, they're on the same playing field. Yeah. And I think that has everything to do with at this point in time for all of us, convenience, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to do the thing that's the most convenient. If I don't have time to, and I'm a designer, so like I can personalize and we have, we're an affiliate for Heat Press Nation and Sawgrass. Like we have all the tools in my office to make the things. But if I don't have time to make something, I will go to Etsy and buy it personalized as well, right? Because it's about convenience, right? Oh, yes, yes. 100%. So I do think at this day and age, and one of the things we teach in our, our design suite system that I really haven't seen before we started teaching it, because it was it was a method that I had used over the years, is that you have to be in all the different marketplaces to find all the right people. The target person is different than the Walmart person. And so if you're not in all the different marketplaces and great Granted, we say that you need to do it over a very long time span because people hear me say that and they immediately are like, I'm going to join five online shops and try to get a contract. And I'm like, it doesn't really work that way. But over time, if you can be in multiple marketplaces, then people can find you and you build up your reputation and brand. Oh, yes. And I think it does take that patience, though, as well. Um, but knowing that you have a trajectory. Yeah, 100%. So I'm curious, like thinking about where you sit within a memory keeping space, is there anything that's really exciting you right now that you're seeing or that you're personally using and, and, and loving? I'm kind of loving the hybrid things I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So where people are taking a little bit of digital, like so they'll like take maybe an SVG file or something. But then they're using the paper that they're buying in the scrapbooking store and like kind of mixing and matching. To me, that's if that is not the epitome of crafting at this point in time, back when you and I started digital scrap, it was like we all were on. Well, I was in Photoshop, but most people were in Photoshop elements. They were making their digital designs and that was yep. it, right. And then you printed it out and you're done. Now it's like this organic and I don't know what your members are doing, but I'm seeing just because I'm so highly involved with cricket silhouette and mm-hmm. sublimation, I'm seeing kind of people go, well, I need the physical products. Like I need the scrapbooking goods. I need, but I'm mixing it with like how I want it to see it. I think it really lends itself to this even more creative experience. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think the more we've gotten comfortable with using our computers for scrapbooking, because a decade ago more, it was like, okay, I'm going to type some journaling period. And now tools like Canva and even Silhouette Studio, like everything's gotten so much easier to do the things that we want to do. And I really, I really love that. Well, and the customer has become more savvy, right? Mm -hmm. Like anyone that's listening to this, have you not felt more savvy in the last year? like 10 years, 10 years ago, like all of us were like, like what? Like, I mean, I knew the software cause I was a designer, but like, then I didn't know how to translate that to the regular customer. Now there's like 
the Cricut Explore software, the Silhouette software, the Photoshop Elements is easy, or there's apps now where we can, mm-hmm. everything is so much easier. And once again, that goes back to that convenience factor. At the end of the day, all of us want it to be convenient. So if we can meet ourselves to that place where like we can just get that thing easy, I blame this a little bit on Amazon. If we can get the thing <laughs> super easy, then it makes it it makes it more doable. I also think there was a, the pandemic played a role in accelerating oh, things yes. that were already happening, you know, more confidence in using Zoom and just more confidence in using the technology you already had around you because you were kind of stuck with it for a little while. Um, so I think it just kind of made everything go a little bit faster. And now we're kind of on the other side of that with a lot more tech savvy people. Yeah. You know, so- grandmas and grandpas out there who are using Zoom and, and Photoshop and all and these TikTok. things. Like that's yes. the other funny thing, like just the social media aspect of it as well. Um, it is so crazy to me because I really credit the pandemic in some ways for me starting my design suite program. Because before that, I just wasn't sure if I couldn't I could teach not in an in-person place, right? Like, cause I was so used to teaching at a university or like I, I, you know, sometimes I lecture at universities still. And I thought that that was the way to do it. And something about that, everyone understanding Zoom, it felt like this very easy transition to be like, you know, you know what? I can give people critiques. I can give people the design knowledge they need online. And I think that was the first time I was like, you know what, I think we can do this in a way that feels more like a university setting. Before this, I had taught like, you know, 10 years ago, I taught like a digital online class. It mm-hmm. felt difficult. It, like, yes. it was like, I made the class, but then there was no interaction and it was really difficult. And that's the one thing that sets our current program apart from what I did in the past. I would just teach a class and we call it good. What I do now is it's meetings, critiques, uh, SEO, like all the aspects of the design business because it's more, it's live. You know, we're, we're doing, yes. we have the coursework, but so much of it is live. Well, and I think that's what has, I don't know, changed opinions about online communities. We used to have the separation between like my online friends and my in real life friends. And now like it's the same, like you know, we're meeting people online and they become real world friends. It's, uh, there's just so much, um, what's the word in terms of, it's just all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, there is a little bit of magic there that I really mm-hmm. appreciate because it does feel like, you know, in my program, I know every single member and I know what they're doing. And if we're having a rough time, we're trying to figure out ways to make money or whatever else. And I don't know that I could have said that 10 years ago in my digital coursework. Like I couldn't point out who was doing what or X, Y, and Z. And I think it has, it took some things like the pandemic for us to recognize that, that we can, understand and know and be friends with people on the internet in a way that's actually intimate. Yes. Actually real. Yes. Yes. And I think it's the seeing the faces, not just the typewritten comments and chats that really makes the difference too. A hundred percent. And same with, with our podcast, like having the audio connection with someone or even a video connection takes it to a new level of building that know, like, and trust factor. Yeah. Agreed. 
So kind of thinking about your role as a scrapbooker, I'm assuming you're still taking pictures of your kids and you have stories that you want to tell. So we like to ask all of our guests, what is one story on your bucket list of something you haven't captured yet? Oh, well, we just recently, we're just a few weeks into my oldest daughter going to college. Wow. And that has been quite the transition. Um, anyone who sent a kid off to college knows that it's uh, a very emotional thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I really felt like I got the sweeter end of the deal on this because she is actually staying at home. Those in my program or people who've heard me talk, she's actually autistic as well. And so it was just a very stressful, stressful situation, choosing a college, making sure she was being comfortable, making sure that transition was going to be great. And I, for just all the other mamas out there with kids with disabilities or kids who have these things going on that are very, very stressful, whenever you take a big leap of faith, I remember even elementary school to middle school and middle school to high school and now high school to college, I think that's something that we've got, I've got to figure out how to capture more of those transitions because they were really big and really. Yes. And it's, yeah, but there's so many different emotions we're going through right now. My daughter going from elementary to middle school and it's, it does feel big. And all of a sudden, all the decisions we're making are much more long-term, like what's the trajectory we're going. And yeah, I think that's a really, that's a really important story that we don't kind of talk a lot about is how do you capture that, particularly when the emotions can be complex? Yeah. And I'm a big proponent of journaling, especially if you're a scrapbooker. And because so much back in the day, I remember really was just the photo and that was it. Mm -hmm. We didn't do a ton of journaling. And at least when I was a creative director at Cartabella, that was a lot of what we showed. Like it was the pictures and then, and, and not to say that's still not a wonderful piece of it, but I'm finding that I really enjoy the journaling piece of it just as much as the pictures so that we're capturing like the feelings and the emotions. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Okay. So I'm going to take a tangent here because I have to know. So you were involved with Cartabella from its inception, right? Yeah. They actually created that company around me, if I'm being okay. totally honest. And that- so I want to talk about the texture of the paper because that's oh. what, to me, that's what makes it so unique and so different and so lovely and enjoyable to work with. And so I'm curious kind of what informed that decision. Okay. So I have to go back a little bit. So at the time I was making transition, I had finished at my mind's eye. I had this feeling that I wanted to start a scrapbooking company, but I wasn't totally sure. I like, I was also making a transition. I just went from Northcott to Riley Blake and I was kind of figuring things out. And I got a call from their current Echo Park creative director. He called me and said, who are you designing for? And I said, no one at the moment, like it would been like probably nine months. And I was like, I'm taking a break. I'm concentrating on fabric right now, but I'm thinking about starting. If I'm being totally honest, not to be like, Oh, I'm competing with you guys, but I'm thinking about starting a scrapbooking company. And he said, will you come into the meeting for an office with myself and the sales director and the the owner the CEO? I said, sure, let's, let's have a chat. So I went to the office and started talking to them and I will, it was not me who chose the texture paper. The CEO at the time, he said, um, and he's still the CEO, CEO, said, we have been thinking about building the sister company, but we don't have the right designer for it or the right creative director for it. We hear you're thinking about starting a company. What if you start a company with us? 
And that was really intriguing. I, um, I had recently just gotten pregnant with my third child. Mm-hmm. Um, things were crazy. And I saw their facilities. I knew what they were doing. Echo Park had already blown up. It, it, was, it was doing yeah. so well. Um, and I just thought, you know, this might be the way to do it because they gave me a, you know, a portion of, of coming in of the company. They would hire me, my own sales director. I would be the creative director and it would be my team of designers who worked for them. So it was just, it was like almost an agency setting where I came in and it, it was the loveliest situation. I, and I, I credit that entire team for letting me do that. Cause I only came into the office once a week for meetings and we did all the design work at home and I had my entire team of designers and it was fantastic. So he at the time said, we need a differentiator between Echo Park and Cartabella. What is it going to be? And he was like, I have this idea that Cartabella is like a more of a fine paper stationary. Okay. Line. And we started experimenting and looking at papers with different textures on them and came to the conclusion that we really like that one particular paper that you guys know as Cartabella paper at this point with that texture. It was more expensive, but we had to sell the product at the same the same price as Echo Park. So it was like a little bit like it was like tricky, the whole thing. But we just really felt like it differentiated the two brands and it elevated it does, Cartabella yes. to its own brand. Yes, so that, was, that was the process of that. I don't know if I've told anyone that story before. So, oh, I love it. I was just—I've always been so curious um, because I've—I've I've always, and I've mentioned this before. Like, I've learned scrapbooking backwards. So, in doing the scrapbooking cards today, cropping create events, that was actually my first exposure to Cartabella paper. This was like within the past couple of years during the pandemic, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I been missing all these years? Because I'd worked with some Echo Park paper, and I was like, it's fine. It's just like all the other paper. But then I got this, and I'm like, I'm obsessed with it. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing that, you know, yeah. behind the scenes story. So it was so incredibly fun, and I am no longer with Cartabella. I have a great relationship with them. I'm no longer with them because I had started a secondary company. We got into the toy business with Minnie Lou and coloring books and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of made a departure there, but not before we had hired a few in-house designers in Cartabella that that are so good. I mean, so good. I was so excited to get them in the door for Cartabella. And I still think they produce exceptional products. And I feel so grateful I got to be a part of that process. Yes. Yes. Lovely story. So we've we've definitely talked about here that you wear a lot of hats. You are designing for the paper industry. You're designing fabric. You're teaching business owners how to make stronger businesses or even start their businesses. I'm curious kind of which passion came first for you. Was it paper? Was it quilting and sewing? Is it always just been there? I, you know, my passion has been design. So okay. when you when you take it that way, it makes a lot of sense that I'm obsessed with all the different things that I do in scrapbooking and in fabric and just getting your hands dirty. One of the things that I learned early as a designer that execution was everything. And so if you can get into the details of all the things that you're executing as a designer, it's just, oh, it's so exciting. And and I think really the thing I'm I'm addicted to is temporary satisfaction of a physical product. I really Mm. think that's what it really is because I don't even care what it is. If I can feel the fabric, if I can feel the paper, if I can make the SVG and build the, the cool house, like everything about 
the crafting industry plays up to a designer's strengths. That's why I love being in this industry, you know, because if you're in the advertising world and you're doing, um, well, digital design for websites, or if you're doing billboards or you're doing print, you know, in a lot of ways, you get to see your design work and it, it is satisfying to some degree, but totally. it's like crafting takes it to this whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, so I did a huge brand deal for Deseret Book. They're a small set of like 30 independent um, stores. And I did a dishware line for them and a Christmas line for them. And we did jewelry for them. And every time those boxes showed up at my door, I just, I was just giddy. I mean, it was like Christmas all the time because it was like all my design work showing up at my door. Same deal with my, my new fabric line is Chow Bella and it comes out in November. And the day it shows up at my door, all 18 bolts, I will be freaking out. Like I'm five again because it's so exciting. So I think I really love this point you made about execution, that it's not just about designing the pattern. It's the whole thing from start to finish and making sure that the product that somebody's going to hold in their hand is exceptional. Yeah. And and I I think this is where this is why I started teaching design because I am starting to see there's a lot of self-made, self-taught designers out there, which there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's amazing that people are going for it. To me, it's like big dreams. I'm so into it. But very often they've had no mentorship and they haven't had enough design knowledge to understand how to execute and produce correctly. And a lot of that comes from not actually learning at a university level, but from the experience level. When I became the creative director at Cartabella, one of the things that I had to do was every detail had to be perfect. And that that was an, an interesting thing for me to go through because before I was doing digital and I was like, nah, just throw things up. It's fine. I'll make mm-hmm. money. It's great. Right. But once you start getting into manufacturing in particular, everything has to be right. And when you go to press, any little mistake will cost you thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so when I started taking that mentality and and still I'm, I'm a very much done is better than perfect kind of person. But like when I took some of that execution mentality into my digital stuff and was like, how do I make this so that there's not customer service issues? How do I make this product so that it's just nice and clean and easy to use And like everyone likes it, right? Like it's just some of these things that we don't think about as designers. And because we haven't had the mentorship and we haven't had someone looking over our shoulder saying, hey, you need to produce that this way or you need to zip it up this way. Or it would be really helpful if you layered it this way. You just don't know or understand. And so I think execution is key. I think that goes to so many other um, aspects of business too is just those details and the following through. I, I've I've worked with and purchased and seen so many things where you could tell it's a great idea, but the follow through and the and the execution just wasn't there to make it a really great experience for the customer. So yeah, and I know you feel that way because you're that way with your membership, right? You like you pivot. You're trying to like make it a great experience for your members, making sure that they're getting what they need. 100%. Yeah, that's our biggest value is kind of trust and reliability. Yeah. And we're the same way in our program. We, like, it's so crazy. We started this program not that long ago, but I, I just set out to say, like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. We're going to do it with 
feet in total. Like we're going to pivot as we go to make it cleaner, easier, listen to our members, do what they're telling us they need in order to learn how to design correctly, how to actually Mm -hmm. make money in the marketplace, how to get deals, like those kinds of things. They aren't going to come from someone who's just been flippant about what their members are doing. It's got to be in a, in a situation where you know your members, you're actually critiquing and making sure they're on the right track. You're paying attention to what they're doing, what shops they're going into, what the SEO is, like how they're writing all their stuff, and then giving them for us, we have 17 courses in our program because we're Nazis about great design. Like, we just, mm. oh, we love great design. I just want the design work to be amazing. And so we've set out to try to produce the best design program out there. And I know you do the same with your membership. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I'm curious kind of uh, on a personal level, you already said that you have the stuff for doing all the silhouette projects. I just started I did a heat transfer vinyl project for the first time recently and I had no idea what it was doing. Um, how do you manage like having the supplies for so many different things that you're either demonstrating, selling, creating for yourself? You it know, was, how do you juggle all that? It was one of the things that made us move <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of COVID. And actually we, we, it's so crazy. We put our, we were in a little house in sugar house we love the neighborhood. Sugar House is kind of a cool place to live if you're in Utah. And we just, we loved our neighborhood. We loved our house, but it was tiny, super tiny. And at the time my husband was running his business, I was running mine. Um, I was working from the bed, the kitchen table, like, and it was just like craziness, mm-hmm. right? And we, we knew we needed to move. So our house actually went on the market the day before the quarantine happened. So we're not like later COVID movers. We're like the early COVID movers where everybody thought the housing market was going to, I mean, it did dip. Like we lowered the price of our house. We got our house at a lower price than we would have because everybody in the first six weeks who was on the market, we just sat we just yes, all sat yes. and it was like this crazy thing. And then something happened around week six, like all the, it's like everyone realized this thing wasn't going away and we were all just going to have to live our lives. And we all just bought houses and <laughs> it was early enough that the housing market wasn't what it is today. You know, it was like literally half of what it is today. So we kind of moved at an interesting time. We, um, we bought almost three times as much house and my studio that, you know, those of you who are on my YouTube channel see, like I have a studio, we have, I have three desks in there. Um, I have a whole area that's dedicated right now to silhouette and sublimation. Um, I have a shed with just all the product going on in it. Um, and it just, I just needed the space for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I am a big proponent for those of you who are like organization baskets. We have baskets <laughs> everywhere. Um, I own a ridiculous amount of fabric. So we actually have a room in the house dedicated to fabric. It is just all like the walls are all lined with fabric because it's all my lines. Um, and then we have another place in the house where it's just organized by crafting material. So it's like all the pipe cleaners and all the, because even though I am a designer and I'm in the crafting industry, I still have all the kids stuff. Like I still have all the crayons. I still have. So um, right now we have, if I'm being honest, I think I have four spaces for crafting. Like my, my main studio, we have a shed for everything that is, um, that we send out, mail out all that other good stuff. And then we have, 
a fabric room space. That's actually my kid's office. So it's the kid's okay. office plus, and then a crafting room space that's just materials and product. Nice. I love how you've been able to customize it to what you really needed. I'm curious if there's any tricks from your old house that maybe you'd want to share, like something that you did to kind of keep things separated, or did you have to like just clear everything off and now we're shifting gears? Yeah. I mean, so that was one of the main things. I wanted dedicated photography space. So it, mm. now here's the thing. If you have a tiny house, it's still doable because I did it for 12 years in a tiny house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like hundred percent. I was the creative director from a tiny house and we had all the things. So, um, especially, so it, it's definitely a clearing away situation. So we had everything boxed. And so it would be like all the silhouette stuff, all the fabric stuff, all the, like everything was boxed or basked, basketed. Is that a word? Basketed? <laughs> I think so. And, and when it was time to work on the X, Y, Z thing, we would pull all that stuff out and then we'd set up all the videos. My YouTube channel has tons and tons of quilting videos and silhouette projects. And all of that was mostly done at my old house. And it was done. We just pull out. We had a specific um, table that I used for making the videos. We'd have to pull that out every single time, set up the cameras every single time. And that, and that part was part of the reason we moved because I was like, I need stuff set up all the time so that yeah. I can go faster. And it, it has, I go so much faster. I can make so many videos in a single day now because everything is set up and ready to go. But in a small space, you don't have that choice, right? So we just, we were just as efficient as we could be. I will tell you when we'd get ready for a quilt market and I usually do a booth at a quilt market, you couldn't walk around the house without tiptoeing over all the projects. We would literally lay out all the quilts, all the kid outfits, everything that we were sewing would be from my son's bedroom all the way into the kitchen on the floor all the way into the living room. And you would just tiptoe around all the projects. And my assistant would come in and help me. So my mom would come into town and help me. So like everybody in the house, it was just, it was the whole house. Yeah. It was an all hands on deck situation. It sounds like there's there's not come sort of secret magic. It's just, it does sometimes take over and yeah, some things will have to be pushed aside for. And I think you have to choose. It's okay to have chaos. I think people are really nervous about chaos. I think once in a while, when you're trying to hustle and get something done, it's okay to have a little creative chaos. I actually think it's maybe a little bit even good for us. Now, I'm curious when you are, because your work is sometimes at the computer, I'm sure, and sometimes you're actually making something and filming it. When you are, do you separate those two things? Are they all just work for you? All of it's work to me. But like, (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. Is it work? That's the thing. I mean, like if you're doing what you love every single day, mm-hmm. if I get to design every single day, am I really working? If I am, and, and all my projects are usually things I'm doing for myself, right? Like, so I just did all these sublimations on tumblers and I did it for one of my mastermind groups and I was going to make them anyway. I just happened to film it, right? Yes. Yes. So I love that. It, I don't have a hobby. I just have work because it's all fun. I think it's hard to explain that unless you really understand it yourself. It's hard for others to understand that um, you work so much because you enjoy it all and it's all, it all kind of bleeds together. Yeah. I do think, I mean, you and I know both of this, like 
there are things in your business you're not going to enjoy, right? It's, there are things that are that are difficult to do that you don't want to do. And this is actually one of the things we have to talk about in Design Suite is, you know, designers like the design process. It's not as fun to sell the designs. And I'm like, we have mm-hmm. to get to the point where we're selling the designs because that's that's how you make it a business. It's yes. not a hobby. I mean, it's only a hobby if you're just doing the stuff, Right. It's a business when we start making money doing it. And that's, I think that's been a really hard and interesting transition. I think for those of them that have been quilters and crafters and they become designers because they just want to do the fun part of it. But to me, if you're not doing the selling part of it, which to me is fun, if you're not doing the selling part of it, we're not a business. Well, I think at that point you have to really understand yourself and know, do I want to have my own business or do I want to go work for someone else's because that best suits my, my personality and how or I want keep to it operate. a hobby, right? Yeah, like that that's, I mean, that's your other option <laughs> is like, this can be a hobby. Like you're just designing stuff for yourself and that's okay too. You mean we don't have to monetize all of our passions? <laughs> well, you and I do, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I've definitely, I've had to force myself to keep some that like, this is not part of the business. This is something that I do for me. I enjoy this. Maybe I'll like take a photo because I'm sharing part of me, but I don't teach this. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to become an expert. I'm just doing it because it's fun and makes me feel good. Yeah. For me, so. that line is usually with my family. You'll notice there's mm-hmm. not as much, or, or I used to share a lot more about my family, but as, as the brand has grown, as my team has grown, as what we've been doing has become a little sometimes overwhelming at times as this mm-hmm. business has grown. I I have more and more spent less time letting my kids be in my even my stories or or on the brand. And it's not it's not even because I I don't want to share that. I like sharing that stuff, but I have to be really careful about first of all their privacy, especially as they get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, and they're getting older, and I want them to have their own lives and their own thing. And my two daughters in particular, my oldest one is starting to build her own creative career. My second one has started creating her own little business. And I've just really wanted to give them the space to build their brand as they would see fit versus what I would like to do. Right. Yes. So we've got to be really careful, especially of these kids coming up as they're building their own businesses um, to let them build their brand the way they want to build it. Ah, I love that. I love that sense of of freedom that you want to provide while still, you know, nurturing interests and passions. Yeah. Well, I think I've just seen too much. Um, I watched The Bachelor. I haven't watched it recently, but <laughs> you, you see these like people and they're posting their kids, like kids have their own Instagram feed and they, they basically have no choice, right? They're in the limelight. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just for me, I just didn't want to do that for my kids. I wanted them to, I have really creative kids. I wanted them to figure out how they want their brand to look as they're getting older. Yes, I love that. I love that so much. I want to talk just as we wrap up here a little bit about teaching because you come from this academic background. It's it's very unique that you are in this profession with a PhD. Uh, how has your academic um, experience informed how you're teaching, particularly now with Design Suite? I think I am one of the few out there that's very, very real about timelines that it takes to become a designer. And that is really because I taught students in a four-year program how to become a graphic designer, right? Mm -hmm. So like my particular program, you know, I see all these programs that are like eight weeks long or you do it yourself DIY or whatever. And 
our program is a minimum of a year. Like you can get most of what you need in a year. Most um, people who are heads of businesses the way I am, they think they're unwilling to commit to a year or if they do, it's very, it's, it's very interesting. I, I just haven't loved the way I've seen other programs that get set up, but ours is a minimum of a year because I know it takes four years to get a great graphic design program. I know it takes one year to make you a decent designer and get your business off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a program where like they go month to month and we have our retention rates kind of unreal. It's, I think it's 90 to 95% because everyone's That's awesome. Sees, I know yes. well, everyone sees, and my goal is not to keep them forever. My goal is to let them all fly. I want them to run off and fly, but it is so tough in the first three years of owning any kind of business, let alone a design business to get off the ground. And, and really the only way to get to that six figures is to have that kind of mentorship experience and, and help moving yourself along to actually you know, make it in this business. I'm someone who like, if you come to one of my design boot camps, like I would tell people, like, if you want to go back to college, I'm here for it. I will support you in that. If you didn't want to do design suite, I'd be like hundred percent, go get a graphic design degree. Cause it takes four years and that's what it takes to produce great designs. The problem with the university system for me is that then you have to go out and figure out the experience part yourself. Correct. So we try to, we try to bundle that into a single year in the design suite program. And does a graphic design degree include the important business components of how do you set yourself up online these days and develop relationships with, with vendors and companies and, and all that aspect? No. So they don't. So, and and for good reason, right? Because like they're young, they're 18 to 24. We're trying to spend all of our time teaching them how to be great designers, because if we can get that foundation in, then they'll go out and get the experience. But what we don't tell them is if you want to own your own design business, you probably need an MBA on top of that to get what you need from it. So we try to package that all up into a single program. And a year really is too short, even in my opinion, like I think it's a solid three years before you can just like, like release along the world. So I, I haven't loved out there. I see lots of little design, you know, DIY and, and it just, I think it's really tough because can you make a hundred thousand dollars a year going to an eight week program? I mean, it's not reasonable. It makes no sense to me. People yeah. are spending forty and $60,000 to go to four years of college and coming out to make $50,000 a year as a graphic designer. And so I feel like I really want to be very real with people about what it takes, what the business aspect looks like, how realistic you are in making money. Um, because I think there's a lot out there peddling like, it. you know, you can just make it, just be artistic and you'll be good. Yeah, I think those the quick fixes and clickbait and all the things that try to to grab us in for that that quick fix that we want because we want the convenience. But I really, I really respect the um, the openness that you share and your willingness to kind of invest in your students and and be upfront with them about what it really takes. I just think that's the way we've got to be as human beings. Like if these people become, and they all almost all become my friends, right. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling them what they need to do. What would I tell my little sister is our Etsy coach within the program. And it's so amazing because she has made so much money and she continues to make, I, like I had to convince her to come on as a coach. She was like, I don't have time for this Karina. I'm like running my yeah. own business. 
But like, what would I tell my own sister or my own family member to do in business? That's the way I treat my design suite members. What would I tell my own, like someone I love dearly and they needed to make money now, or they need, they wanted desperately to be, have a design career. What would I tell them versus what would someone tell you if they're just like, you know, this acquaintance and, and, you know, trying to make money because yes. that's, that's the thing we're, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in making phenomenal designers. Cause I'm kind of crazy about that. Oh, I love it. So what kind of extending that, what advice would you give for someone who feels pulled by having all these different interests though? Maybe they, you know, they've been a hobby crafter and they're want to going to the next level, but they can't decide which path to go down. Choose one. It, everything, it, everyone sees that I do a gazillion things and they think, oh, that must be the way to do it. But at the end of the day, it's always one thing. I'm only concentrating on one thing at a time. Just like you're always, always concentrating on your membership right now in this season of life, we are only concentrating on design suite and our designers. There was a time where the only thing I concentrated on was being a creative director, right? Mm -hmm. There was like a four year span there where all I did was I was the creative director and I built a huge team to help me design for Cartabella. There was a time where all of my time was spent in two peas in a bucket, right? Yep, and yep. all of the money coming from my business was really coming from digital scrapbooking. So very often people see all the things and they think I've got to be a fabric designer right now. And I have to do quilt tutorials and I have to be a sublimation designer and I have, to, and, and that's just not the way it actually works. And we try to really teach this um, well, we teach it in our profitable designer workshop, but we teach it also to our design suite members that if you can go all in on one for an extended period of time, that mm -hmm. you can very much win. Oh, I love it. This has been so interesting and so fascinating to learn more about you, to learn more about your process. Can you share where our audience can find you online? Anything you might have newer coming up towards the end of this year? Yeah. So um, in terms of product, I know this is a scrapbooking audience. Those of you scrapbookings that people who who transfer over to the quilting market, my new line, um, uh, Chow Bella, comes out November 1st. That will be in fabric stores everywhere. Um, I haven't seen the numbers for it, but the line usually ends up in most of the big stores at this point awesome. um, for Riley Blake. So that's the, that's if you want fabric, I'm really excited about this line. It's um, I think it's the best line I've ever done. But, you know, every line, I think, is the best line I've ever done. Um, Are there any sneak peeks of that anywhere, like on your Instagram? Yeah, if you go or? to Instagram, you can go see some sneak peeks of the line. But, yeah, okay. it's super fun. Um, if you're interested in design, I recommend going to KarinaGardnerCourses.com and seeing what I'm offering there. Um, we generally do these little like inexpensive boot camps once in a while. Um, and that's when we usually open up a design suite. We also do have like a, a, a series coming up where we're training people and talking about design suites. So that's another way you might be able to get in. We, we do close it down sometimes because of the size of the program. So because if you come into my program, I want to make sure that I know you. We have waitlisted certain aspects. We have tiers of the program. We've waitlisted tiers of the program before. So, okay. um, but we're rolling. So it means we do open up 
at certain times. And so you could come in in October and start your program. You could come in November and start your program. So, um, cause we're very, we're very rolling in that way. And for us, we're just always looking for just the right fit. Usually, um, someone who's excited, who wants to learn, to, you don't have to know how to design yet. You just have to be really, um, we like, we have a very kind community, a very not competitive community. It is total and complete, mm. um, collaboration versus competition. Um, and everyone in that community is helping each other move forward, which is amazing. Um, so we're always just looking for the right people that will, we know that we can push forward, make great designers. Um, and that's really probably at KarinaGardnerCourses.com. So. All right, great. We'll include that link in the show notes for this episode. Karina, this has been so fun. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook and to design your way. 